Hello and welcome to Daily Disciples Podcast with Tony Lee Adamson. Today, Bobby Brooks and myself will be continuing with Women of the Bible. Today, we're going to be talking about Abigail and her courage, her wisdom, and her strength. 1 Samuel 25 is where we're going to open up. And Bobby, I didn't know, I don't know if you know this, but Abigail has the longest discourse in the entire Bible when it comes to a woman speaking. Yeah, I I found that out and in doing a little background research that what she says to David is the longest recorded monologue, if you will, from any woman in the Bible at one time. Mm-hmm. And if you do even a further study, it's amazing that regardless of who wrote the commentary or what background they're from, it is unanimous that she is a wise woman, a humble woman, and what she did was very courageous and showed a lot of confidence and strength. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know we're going to look at the verses, but she was one of a kind in her culture and even in today's society uh, from a church, a Christian perspective. And I think that's why we need to to dig into what she did, what she's known for, and why she is considered uh, a wise and courageous woman of the Bible. Yes. Okay. So we open up in 1 Samuel 25, and I'm just going to... Uh, Open up with prayer and we can get started. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and how alive it is and how it still speaks to us today. We pray that our hearts may be open to receive your words and that our ears are willing to listen. Father, we thank you for the women that you've placed in the Bible that give us courage, strength, and our true role models. And in Jesus' name we pray. All Amen. right. First A. Samuel 25, verse 2. Now there was a man in Moan whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. So we are opening up with a man who has obviously been in this business for a while, that he has become wealthy and most likely has thought that this wealth has been because of his wisdom, because of his strength, because of his knowledge, that he has a lot of confidence in what he does. And we will notice that he also has a lot of pride as he continues to be blessed monetarily. Right. Yeah, he was a very powerful man in, these, in this day and time uh, while Saul was king. Yes. Verse 3, the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of of Caleb. Isn't it interesting, Bobby, that right away they call Nabal rich they call him a businessman and they call him harsh and evil 
But Abigail is described immediately with good understanding and also beautiful. Yeah, and another word for good understanding is discerning. She had discernment, which is indicative of what's to come in the story. Verse 4, when David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives prosperously, Peace to you, peace to your house, and peace to all you have. Now that's a beautiful introduction to anything. Like These men are warriors who are with David, and yet they come in peace. They come saying, we've only wanted peace for you. We've only wanted peace for your family and for all that you have. That's a great greeting. There's no hidden agenda there. And that was common. That was common courtesy in the culture of the day, that when you go into a stranger's territory, you want to let them know up front that you come in peace, that you're not coming with an agenda. And there were so many... um, people that were raiders and brought war, David was sending a message of peace. Yes. Verse 7. Now, so these men continue to talk, these 10 young men. Verse 7. Now I have heard that you have shearers. Your shepherds were with us and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while we were in Carmel. So these Ten men are saying to Nabal, you have to understand that we have been present with your people, your hired workers, and we have assisted in protecting them. Verse 8, ask your young men and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son, David. So David was instructing these 10 men, these 10 young men, so not a threat, to go to Nabal and saying, you are going to have a feast there and a lot of your prosperity is a result of our presence being a wall around you, helping you in your business. So can you please share what you have so graciously received as a result of our protection? So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal, according to all these words, in the name of David, and waited. So Nabal knew this message is from David. This message is not from these 10 young men. He knew And you know, Bobby, at this point, David had a reputation. The women were singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. They knew David was Saul, King Saul's son-in-law. They knew that David was anointed by Samuel. So just the words of David coming to Nabal, saying these things, should have given him immediate credibility for the reputation he already had. Absolutely. Absolutely. And David was on the run. So he was hungry and and it's kind of like he needed favor wherever he went. And this man had plenty 
to go around. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Verse 10. Then Nabal answered David's servant and said, Who is David and who is this son of Jesse? Isn't that funny that they don't even say David's the son of Jesse? You know, or, right. <laughs> he knows this is David, the son of Jesse. Right. Now, there are many servants nowadays who break away from each one from his master. Shall then I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men whom I do not know where they are from? Yeah, this is a sign of pride and arrogance and total just territorial protection and how dare you come and interrupt my party and ask for a handout like he's got a bad attitude he's a stingy selfish arrogant prideful person right he does not represent the love of god or even the fear of god i mean if we say to someone this is my house and my family and my money and i've done all this because of my hands really try to say that to god and see how far it gets you right i mean like, it is in humility that we're protected. It is in gratefulness and thankfulness that we realize that God has given to us even the skills to provide, even the skills of being prosperous. And this is the type of thing, it's like us saying, we don't need to tithe. This is our money, like my money. And you can hear the arrogance and the pride in this. It, it makes a lot of sense why the man was harsh and evil in his doings because these words alone just saying my 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 very selfish and self-centered that's right exactly so verse 12 so david's young men turned on their heels and went back and they came and told him david all these words then david said to his men every man gird on his sword so every man girded on his sword and David also girded on his sword for about 400 men went with David and 200 stayed with the supplies now one of the young men told Abigail Nabal's wife saying look David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master and he reviled them but the men were very good to us and we were not hurt nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them so the servants are saying we wanted to stay with david's men they were good to us they helped us be blessed the whole time we were in the fields we had nothing missing and it did make me think of david when he was a shepherd he knew exactly what to do he said when he uh, when a bear and a lion were going to attack his sheep he would take out his sling and, and take that bear and lion on how much more would 600 men help protect nabal's sheep to the point that these men his nabal servants knew it yeah, um, verse 16 says, They were a wall to us both night and day, all the while we were keep with them keeping the sheep. So they were a team. They were brothers. They were in, in this together to protect each other. 
So uh, Nabal's servants had a very different perspective about David than their boss did. What this next verse indicates reminds me of another woman in Bible history. So when you read verse 17, I'll share my perspective on who this reminds me of. Okay. Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do for harm is determined against our master and against all of his household for he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him so obviously these men are going to a woman the wife to intervene to what to save a whole bunch of people a many kingdom to save right to save the massacre which reminds me of Mordecai sending a message to Queen Esther saying only, you know, you need to go to the king. You need to intervene and stop this massacre. And the parallels are not exactly the same because it was, Esther was, you know, there had been a decree sent out to, to kill all the Jews. But it's a man going to a woman who is, in a position of not authority, but in secondary position. This is, they were both wives of very powerful, and in the king, in Esther's situation, the king was, was an evil king. He was a stupid king. He was a foolish king, and Nabal is considered a fool. So very similar how women are used by God in the Bible, Um, and we need to take that to heart that sometimes we are called to be wise discerning and used by the lord in a situation that will bring peace or some sort of resolution yeah not only peace and resolution but we're in a place of influence to be proactive because bobby as you were talking about esther i was also thinking of uh, bathsheba how she came to King David in his old age and said, you, my Lord. And she was put up with it by the prophet, the priest at the time, saying, Mm -hmm. you need to go to King David and tell him that Solomon is the one who's supposed to be in charge next. Right. And so she also went to King David and said, you don't understand what's happening in this family and you promised that it would be Solomon because the Lord told you that. Right. And unless you intervene before your death, this is not going to happen the way God has instructed you. And that was another woman who had to boldly come and explain, even to King David, who was not a scoundrel, who was not a fool, who was not evil, yeah, but exactly right. not aware. Right. That's right. So So with Abigail, there is, uh, she has to make a decision and and decide to, she knows who her husband is. She knows. She's been living with this, this man who obviously was not a kind, loving, you know, spiritual leader of the house. And yet she was considered a, um, discerning uh, and beautiful woman and was probably 
the epitome of a good wife to such a bad person. But now she's going to, to like you said, be proactive and intervene. Yes. Yeah. So she makes haste in verse 18. Abigail makes haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, meaning ready to be cooked, five sila of roasted grain and 100 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. And I want to talk about that part, not only being so proactive, but literally taking the initiative and not hiding behind like your husband, like saying, oh, well, I'm just going to trust him. I mean, this is the thing. In marriages, we have husbands that, yes, we have clear instruction that we are to listen. We are to love and respect we are to submit, okay? And submission works both ways. A man is supposed to, a man's supposed to called to submit to God. A man is called to submit to one another, which includes his wife. But the wife is given that instruction too. In this case, Abigail did not hide behind that to say, Nabal, don't you realize that we're all going to be destroyed? She first acted to protect her family without telling him, knowing that he is harsh and evil. She realized the lives of people are now under my choices. My choice is to protect life. My choice is to save this family that God has given us and all the blessings he's given us because she is fully aware of who David is and how he has the ability and the anointing to be a warrior against them. Right. She, um, this is kind of like with what Rahab did when she protected the spies. She knows and has heard the stories of David, even though Saul was king, Samuel had died, there was some there was a lot of war going on with the Philistines. It was a very disruptive time in her culture. But there, you have to see that the Spirit of the Lord came upon her in a way that she had the courage, just like with Esther, just like with Bathsheba, just like with so many women who did these things in the Bible that you know God's hand was upon them. You know that even though... Yes, we are taught and and biblically to we we came second in the creation and um, as wives the Bible says submit to your husband. The midwives were to to do what the king told them to do and kill all the firstborns, but they disobeyed their authority and spared Moses. I mean, there were there were there are times whenever. God, if we are walking with the Lord, if we know the Lord as Christian women, as Christian wives, there are times that we have to make sure our what our our directions are from the Lord because he sees the fuller picture. And God totally knew who Nabal was. And he knew 
his plans for David to be king. And so Abigail is just a, a wonderful example for all women to make sure that they're, they're close to the Lord. They're, we, we are to pray for our husbands. We're to pray for those in authority. But yet our great authority is always to follow what the Lord has told us to do. And this is clearly a right and wrong situation because of the men who served under Nabal coming to Abigail. She didn't do this out of her love for David. She did this out of what was a right thing to do. And even Nabal's own men encouraged her to help David and his men. To intervene. That's right. Absolutely. I was also thinking of like, how do we discern as women when to intervene versus when to check with our husbands? And, uh, It does seem that there is a very common theme in the Word of God that if it's about life and death, you choose life. If you know that someone in your family is acting in a way that's going to cause destruction, harm, murder, you know, murder of hopes, dreams, dreams, goals, we are called to fight for life no matter what it takes. And I was thinking about this, too, that uh, in my marriage, I didn't want to get in arguments. I mean, one of the women in Bible study who is, uh, she owns a salon, so she talks to women all day long. And she it's a, it's a tight group salon. They're, they're like a family. So they hear all the conversations of all the hairdressers and the nail uh, salon gals. And, and she said... After all these years of me being an entrepreneur in this, I can tell you women just want peace. They don't want conflict. They don't want to deal with conflict. They don't want to get involved with conflict. And if they don't have to uh, intervene at all, if they could just be loving and peaceful, they will not be proactive. But in this case, Abigail did not think twice to be proactive to protect. Then there was another woman woman in the study that said she was married to a very abusive, foolish, evil husband. And she said she would not have had the strength to just get up and do something because she was too weak by the abuse. And, you know, there's a in psychology, there's a lot of studies that they do about abused animals and even abused children. And how even if the door is open, we become so used to the abuse as normal that we don't even run out of the door. So it is amazing that Abigail being married to this man remained in a place of strength remained in a place of wisdom to know she had to intervene despite what was going to happen the next day when she told her husband. Well, it reminds me of Esther. Esther went to the king at a time when it was against the law, his law, to approach the king. You, you don't go to the king unless you're summoned, and she had not been summoned in over 30 days. So whenever she decided to um, 
for you know when Mordecai said, "Who who knows that for such a time as this, you have not been sent here to to save your people?" And she said, "I'm going to go, and if I perish, I perish." And that was that's Abigail's position. She's doing this and giving these supplies to David and his men, knowing that going back and telling her husband, he could have killed her. But whenever the Lord's hand is upon us to make the decisions that are so difficult and going against uh, uh, the authority figure in our lives, uh, it's usually going to turn out the way God plans. And that's what happens in this case. Yeah, no, it's it's it is amazing, and we do have to think of ourselves as being women in certain circumstances, and asking the Lord that if we don't have the courage, we don't have the strength. If we know that we are weak, that we find that strength in Him to do what's best with our families, and that's what I was. That's how I started this conversation in my marriage. I wanted peace. I want you know. Uh, I don't want conflict. But when it came to the kids, right, because I'm the one primarily watching the kids, I was willing to go and do whatever I had to do. And there is usually a motivation behind doing what we need to do. And if it is life, love, and, you know, future prosperity because of our actions, then God has put us in those positions to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. And he will complete the work he has started. And he will give us the strength to do it. He will. Yes. Yes. All right. So here we go. Verse 20. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under the cover of the hill. And there was David and his men coming down towards her. And she met them. That to me would be so intimidating. Mm-hmm. They are dressed for war. They are. And <laughs> here she is. Oh, David is mad. Yeah. David's ready to attack. Yeah, like, and she's like, oh, my gosh, here I go. (laughs) Now, David had said, surely and in vain, I have protected all that this fellow has had in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. And he has repaid me evil for good. So David's assessment is right because Nabal is called evil. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belongs to him by morning light. What do you think of that, Bobby? Well, David was upset. I mean, he was mad. And he knew that there had been an injustice done against him and his men because when he protected Nabal's men, and he made sure no one stole his sheep and, and protected his land and, and helped him become prosperous. David, as a warrior of God, he wasn't king at this time. He was on the run from Saul. He was living uh, in, in all over the place, from caves to even with the Philistines at times. So he just did not have the patience for a man like Nabal, and he came ready for war. Yeah, it is interesting to me that he was willing to strap on his sword for 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 vengeance against yeah, Nabal. It was, yeah, it was but here, but here he's had the opportunity to take out his other an- enemy, King Saul, and he has not. Yeah, David. So, I think this is a, this is a young David, heightened emotional, 
and God uses a woman to bring him back to his senses and, and remind him who really has the ultimate vengeance. Yeah. Okay. Verse 23. Now, when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she's already humbling herself and in a place of, I know I have no business coming to you. I mean, just intense submission humility, softness and submission to the future king yeah to the future king so she fell at his feet and said oh me my lord on me let this iniquity be and please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant please let not my lord regard the scoundrel nabal for his name is so he is Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I am your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal." Now, this present, which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to your young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespasses of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. So we'll stop right there in the middle of, as she, you know, as she continues. What do you think of that? Bobby so far what she's saying well it's a it's an act it shows her her level of respect her her humility her ability to communicate very quickly and to diffuse David's anger and his emotions and to place herself between David and her husband to place herself between the anger, the righteous anger, really, uh, if it could be as close to righteous as anger could be with David, versus the foolishness anger of Nabal, her husband. And she does it beautifully, and she does it quickly, and she is doing it in a position of basically at his feet, recognizing him, calling him her Lord with a L-O-R-D, but she says, as my Lord, capital L, as my Lord lives, um, and as your soul lives, because the Lord, capital Lord, has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand. So she she's putting it on the Lord God to get his attention focused back. Like, it's like when we get so mad, we see red or we see stars. It's someone who can come in and get us to calm down and refocus and come back to the earth and to our senses. And, you know, I was thinking how she sent the men with all the gifts, all the food before her. But that wasn't enough for David to put two and two together. Like all that food that he was seeing coming on these donkeys from Nabal's men. He still needed to hear Abigail's words. He still needed to know it was from Abigail 
And she takes the blame saying, your maidservant, your maidservant's iniquity, your, you know, I am, and even said, I didn't see your man. I had nothing to do with this, but I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very respectful. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of when Jacob was going back to meet Saul and he kept sending out gifts before he came. Right. Like he sent out uh, gifts through his servants on the road and then he sent out Leah. I mean, his... uh, concubines first with gifts and then he sent out Leah with gifts and then gifts before Rachel came like he kept showing Esau I'm coming in peace and he did it with waves of groups of people before Jacob actually got there and really did humble himself before Esau that is what Abigail did she sent the gifts first But it wasn't until she showed up, got on her knees and spoke such wise, gracious words through humility that his anger calmed down. Right. Okay. So we will continue and Abigail's still talking. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. But the life of my Lord, small l, shall be bound in the bundle in the living with the Lord your God and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out the Lord as from the pocket of a sling which I know she must have been using in reference to David and Goliath Mm -hmm. that he he used that sling to kill Goliath and it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel so they might have been living in the wilderness but they heard they knew what was going on in the kingdom that this will be no grief to you nor offense of heart to my Lord either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself but when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord then remember your maidservant which I think is so interesting like she's saying i'm in just such a bad situation <laughs> please remember yeah what i'm doing right now but i also think as she's talking about this i was thinking about your young days as uh like a lab manager when you were first starting to climb the you know the executive scale the executive ladder i should say and uh and you were just a newbie and you were thrown in a position that you had adversaries and how you had to handle it in a way that brought about such wisdom that these people even came back to you and apologized after being angry that you got promoted over them yes that's very true so how did you handle that at such a young age i prayed a lot and the lord gave me god gets all the credit because he really did give me the emotional control And a lot of it is the ability to control emotions and thoughts, uh, not to let anger or self-righteousness get ahead of our our actions and our behavior. And so it was just purely um, wisdom and patience. There's a lot of patience that goes into situations that we want a, a fast answer or a quick resolution or we want to see justice done quickly or we want to see God intervene quickly. And sometimes it takes time um, for people to 
change or for any sort of activity to be resolved. And yeah, I did get promoted at a young age above other people. I went through a lot of different trials and I had to grow up and realize that I'm in this for the long haul. Being a young female executive carries its own hardships in terms of the corporate world. So there's a lot of ways that you change and adapt. And without the strength of the Lord, I wouldn't have ever made it probably. Emotions tend to impulsively get in the way. Just like with Abigail, we can learn how to go to the Lord in prayer and wait on an answer from the Lord and trust him to be our avenger. I like how you use the word patience and self-control because uh, in Romans fifteen five, Paul says, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded. And what he's saying is God is the God of patience, of strength, of encouragement, of comfort. And if we rely on that God, he'll give it to us in the hardest circumstances, mm-hmm. in the most difficult marriages, in the most challenging, flesh-burning conflicts that we have. But we have to call on that God of endurance and encouragement, knowing that he has given us the ability to rise up and intervene for life and godliness on this earth. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Okay. So here we go. I'm in verse 32. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who has sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice. And blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, he has kept me back from hurting you. Unless you have hurried and come to me, surely by morning light, no males would have been left to Nabal. But David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. And my version says, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition. Beautiful. I kind of I like that version better. I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition. She was begging David. She was crying out to David. It's, what, it's an example of how we are to pray when we are seeking the Lord's help or intervention in a situation that we're having trouble with and God responds whenever we submit in humility and come with a desire for peace God is going to hear our prayers and heed our voices very good I like that too what version are you using ESV ESV I'm using new King James okay verse 36 now Abigail went to Nabal and there was there he was holding a feast in his house like a feast of a king. It's so funny. He's acting as arrogant as a king when David is going to really be king and didn't even listen to him. Right. <laughs> and Nabal's heart was merry within him for he was very drunk. Therefore she told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. I can tell you that 
I just respect that she could go to Dave, go to Nabel now because she could have just let left that alone. David already said, I'm not going to destroy any of your men because of your wisdom and your strength. And she was willing the next day to let him know. Bobby, what do you think she was going to let him know? You think she was going to tell the whole thing? Yeah, I do. I think that she was going to tell Nabal what she had done and what she had given David and his men. I don't think that she was trying to provoke him, but I do believe that she knew he would find out. And she was, again, the hand of the Lord was upon her, and she was going to be honest and just tell him. But God protected her. I like that. Yeah. That's good. I didn't take it that way, but maybe because of the circumstances that I've been in my life. Because the Spirit of God does work that way. Wherever we are in our life presently is how God's Spirit speaks to us. Mm-hmm. We don't realize that that's the Lord, but I like how you're saying it because you're kind of agenda-free from your past. You're just saying, yeah, she had, she still was operating in the strength of the Lord. There was no fear in her to address him. Yeah, because David had given her that mutual respect back and had said that he had obeyed her voice and had granted her petition. And so there was not going to be any war. David was not going to come in and slaughter anybody. She continued being a wife of wisdom and a wife of discernment, holding true to her very character. And I believe God was was with her, if not testing her, all the way to the end to make sure she would be honest with Nabal because she had nothing to lose. And like Esther, if she perished, she perished. But she had done the right thing. Yeah, because you know what? She wasn't going to be destroyed from David. David said he was going to kill all the men. Right, but Nabal could have killed her. Right, right. So So she did operate in a place of strength. Yeah, and Nabal could have killed his own servants for going to her. Right. So there could have been a whole different level of chaos and anger from Nabal. So she had the wisdom to wait until he sobered up the next morning. And her power just grew as she waited. Why not tell him when he's drunk and hope he doesn't remember in the morning? You know? But in this case... The women... The women in the Bible study said, oh, it was like they knew what it was for their husbands to be drunk. And they were like, yeah, you don't do anything when they're drunk. Yeah, because he could have just gone off crazy. But you would think, you know, when he sobers up, he'd be in a really kind of a bad mood and and, and have a much clearer head and go, you did what? I can't believe. But that's what she does. She waits until the next morning. Yeah, that's, that's very good. So it was in the morning when the wine had gone from Nabal and his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became like a stone so I'm thinking he had a heart attack or a stroke and he was in a coma that's kind of what that sounds like like his his heart was beating weakly but he was not in a conscious state and then it happened after about 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Yeah, I, it's it's. Um, I think he could have been. I, I do think he could have had a stroke. He could have been in such total shock. He could have had the fear of the Lord upon him. He could have had. I mean, whatever it was, he did not have the capacity to respond 
in any way. He was frozen. I mean, he was totally incapacitated. And why 10 days? Um, we don't well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, so when David heard that Nabal was, Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord had returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. Okay, so why 10 days? I think, number one, David sent 10 young men to Nabal and all of those 10 men came home rejected. And now it was like one day each for David's men to understand how much the Lord was with all of them in that process. That's one. The second thing I think is because during those 10 days, Abigail's wondering, when is he going to die or is he going to, you know, is he going to wake up? He, she probably thought he was going to die just because of the instant fear and shock that he ended up in that medical state. That at that time, she probably worked with these young servants to, to figure out who's going to run his business. She probably had to get a lot of things in order during those 10 days. The second part of verse 39, when David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife, that household was already taken care of. And so then it says, when the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. And then she arose, bowed her face to the earth and said, here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail arose in haste and rode on a donkey attended by five of her maidens and the following and followed the messengers of David and became his wife. And the thing that was amazing to me is I also think those 10 days brought back to mind to both David and Abigail, the connection they had upon meeting. He knew she was a wise woman. She knew that he's going to be anointed king and came with humility, integrity, and respect. They both had the ability to communicate on a level to bring about peace and not vengeance. They both spoke in a level of, they got along greatly to the point that even during those 10 days, she was then ready to say, yes, he is, David is remembering his maidservant, me. And I asked him to do that. And that's exactly what happened. So to me, those 10 days were like a time of preparation of waiting for our bridegroom. It's what we're called to do for Jesus, to keep those lights burning, keep the oil in the lamp, keep the lights burning, waiting for Jesus to come back. And that's what she did. She was, I believe, was productive for those 10 days to continue with the conviction of life for her servants, even though she was going to leave them to take care of that property because now she was going to marry a real coming king instead of the guy who was so arrogant he thought he was king. I think that's a great assumption, interpretation. It's it's amazing how God gives us in the Bible days 
there are 40 years, one uh, year for every day that the spies that went out to the promised land were gone. And, and he punished them for 40 years in the desert, roaming around. That generation would die off. And they were gone for 40 days, so he gave them 40 years, one year for every day. He has a, God has a way of using days, and it could have been 10 men, so there were 10 days. I think it's, the Bible doesn't, doesn't explain why he uses numbers uh, in, in specific circumstances. He tells us the number of days. He didn't have to tell us, and he didn't have to wait 10 days for Nabal to die. He could have struck him down on the spot, but he chose to wait 10 days. So God has a, a purpose for the days that we need to wait. And because we have the Bible, we can read and go, oh, it was 10 days. It could have been 40 days. It could have been 12 days. It could have been so many of the different numbers that God uses. But in this case, it was 10. I think the biggest takeaway is that once we've completed something the Lord's called us to do, and and we're waiting for the result, and we have followed the Lord, and just like Abigail now is watching and waiting to see if her husband's going to wake up or what's going to... She doesn't know the end result. We need to remember that God's timing will be perfect and he has a reason for it. So that's my two cents on the on the timing. Yeah, I like that. That's um, It is true. There is a process. And you know, by 10 days is used frequently in the Bible. I couldn't... I was thinking about fasting. People fasted for 10 days. Um... I couldn't think of all the references of 10 days, but that would be a great word study to do. I think even in the book of Revelation, God said, wait 10 days, you know. So there is something about that number 10, which I also don't remember right now. That would be great word studies about reading this book. When I was teaching this to the women on Monday night, they said, so TL, you see the story of Abigail as a Hallmark movie, as this great you know, romance. And they said, we're going to go home to our husbands and said, we studied a Hallmark movie through the book of Abigail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do see it that way, that she was faithful in the small things. She was wise. She maintained her stress in probably a very difficult marriage. I mean, and her strength in a very difficult marriage. And of course, she could control her stress because that was a stressful situation to come up with all that food so quickly that she was a diligent, hardworking woman. But at the end, she got the king. Yeah. She became the, the queen, one of the queens, like one of the princesses. So I did see it that way. And uh, I think it's just a great story for women, especially. I mean, when we go through women in the Bible... This one is a hallmark. One, it should be one of our role models today. Right. Well, like I said, the comparison to Esther and to other people in the Bible is why the Bible is so amazing and why we study it. So yes. if you've been listening to Daily Disciples Bible Study with Tony Lee Adamson, I'm Bobby Brooks, and we are continuing every Monday night the Bible study. You can find out more information by just looking on this page and clicking the links. We'd love to have you join us. You can be anywhere in the country on Zoom, and you can also catch the podcast. We encourage you to subscribe, sign up, and get notifications as we spread the podcast across social media and all the podcast platforms. So, any any final thoughts on Abigail, Tia? I just want to say thank you for joining us today as we studied the book of Abigail. 
We will continue on our topics of life in the spirit, friendship with God and each other, and then, of course, women of the Bible. Thank you for listening to Daily Disciples podcast with Bobby Brooks and Tony Lee Adamson. We will see See you soon. soon.